Hello, welcome back everyone. It's your favorite host, Aroncito, back again with Baini, surprisingly not canceled. <laughs> Hello, we're still here. We're still here and we're still queer, actually. We got into a lot of good things last time and so this time we want to talk about the Oscars. It's Oscar season. Oscars so queer or, so or queer. not actually right, but like kind of it's a dot 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 moment um but no we are going to talk about how the history of the Oscars were a little bit homophobic but also you know trying to nudge towards queerness um so it gets a little murky and we want to get into that also just love award shows you know award shows are like a very fine like historical landmark no yeah and it it does seem like when you think about it it seems dystopian even though it's been going on specifically for the last like 100 years like we've had you know so what year are we in oscar history is it's like in the 80s 94th i know that's a lot of years like i don't i don't know how i feel about that And, and it, it just seems very like gluttonous, like we are just um, worshiping people who play people on the little box in our living room. It's absolutely worshipy, but nonetheless, we fucking love it. Like, especially gays, like we love an award show, like we love a red carpet moment. Fashion, it's like, it's the fashion and the glamour. It's like how we think that we look when we're just like walking in the supermarket. It feels very red carpety. And yeah, so it's like a little vain. Yeah. Oh, it's super vain. Um, And... It's also so it's like the prestige, right? It's about like, oh, like I'm I'm better. And so it's really competitive. And I feel like for creative type, it's like we don't really have like sports and tournaments or anything like that. So this does kind of become like the thing for like artistic types. You know what I mean? Right. But in sports, I mean, so like we're going to get into like the criteria of like what it means to be the best actor or actress or like the best film, like it, it's subjective. Yeah. And it, they're like, we don't even really know what the criteria is because some of the best films or like performances, like are, are we gonna talk about the fact that Lady Gaga has not been nominated this year? And like, I don't understand how, like, I don't get it. It was the snub of the century. The gays are mad, they're rioting in the streets. <laughs> I don't even want like I'm not even interested in the Oscars this year because of that like why why would I watch the Oscars if Lady Gaga wasn't nominated what's yeah. the point I feel like I don't know I hope we can still be friends after this but I watched House of Gucci and I don't know I don't know girl for me it wasn't delivering well what was it okay I agree because I think overall the movie was not good yeah it fell apart and then you had like Jared Leto with the prosthetics like it kind of scared me like I watched half of it and I was like where's Jared Leto I was like I thought he was in this and then I was like there's no way it's that character and then I just felt uncomfortable the rest of the movie because it took me so long to realize oh it was was so funny and their accents were all different and 
And people are mad about this because it's like, how are you going to do like an Italian biopic and then have it not be an Italian? You know, it was just such proof of Hollywoodization of something that could have been a little bit more authentic. Like maybe they're not the best Italian speakers. I mean, they weren't the best American speakers with Italian accents, but have more like actually them interacting in Italian. It was like, I'm supposed to believe that they were in a fucking club talking English. Like I was already disconnected. See, and I think that that's what the issue with Hollywood films are, is that they, they, they try to make them realistic when they're not, and they should have just went full ham with it. And I yeah. think with House of Gucci, they did not go full ham with it. And, and, and they should have. They were trying to reel it in, but it was already so camp with the ridiculous accents. And Jared Leto, Jared Leto sounded like, um, like it's a me, a Mario, and I and I love that. I thought it was so funny, but when he was the only one that was camp, and everybody else was so. Great, it didn't land. And Al Pacino. Al Pacino was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is a good point. It's like some of the characters, or sorry, the actors got the memo that this is camp and this is over the top. And then some were taking it very seriously. And so it's like there's a disconnect. I feel like you guys need to go back to like the, the reading table and figure out like what vibe you're trying to be on because I'm getting like a different tone from certain characters and other ones so it kind of felt like you're not in the same movie so did gaga they yeah they were all acting in completely different movies yeah um, but i was i was here for whatever theater girl fantasy like stephanie was playing also by the way spoilers this is gonna be spoiler season <laughs> so if you haven't seen these movies like turn it off she's like we just have to go to New York. I need to get to New York. And I was like, is this Stephanie's like origin story? <laughs> like of how she actually went from Italy to New York to make it as Lady Gaga? Like what's happening? So this like- She is actually Patricia, Patricia Gucci playing Lady, playing Stephanie, playing Lady Gaga. Very that, yeah. That kind of threw me. I don't know, maybe like, I'm still not able to detach Stephanie and Lady you know what I mean? That I was just seeing all these Gaga-isms in it. And I know we're supposed to take her as a serious actress now. Um, maybe I'm just not there yet. Like, I, I don't think that she's a bad actress, but I'm still, I don't think that she has shaken enough of Lady Gaga off to be, to carry a role like that. And it's also like they made the movie to be an Oscar winning movie. And you can tell that it was like they were fishing for that. And that's what you're not supposed to do. You know, it seemed like it was set up to be the best actress nod and a best movie nod and all these things. And if that is your goal going into it, then it's not going to read as a natural movie, you know? Right, right. And, and that kind of comes back to the they didn't take a camp enough yeah which would have made it so good it's a murder story did you know did you know that that was what the story was about a lot of people didn't okay so don't get me started on this that the most interesting part of that was the fucking murder and tell me why it's the last five minutes of the movie you know what I mean? They're right. like, this is the scandal. 
And they build up all these characters and try to make it about this, like, Gucci is a curse, you know? Like, if you support House of Gucci, then you become a shitty person kind of narrative. Like, the cursed legacy of Gucci, I guess. But then the actual tea was that she hired people to kill him. And that's juicy. The way we're into murder mysteries right now, I need to know the details. I need to know how they tried to do it, how they got caught, you know, what stories they spun in the courtroom. And they literally spent the last five minutes being like, oh yeah, she tried to kill him, got caught, the end. And like, what? The juiciest part of this narrative you left as an epilogue? Like, I I don't get it. And I I feel like that is... That is the issue. So I, I also want to talk about Spencer and because I did watch Spencer and yeah. then I think also back to the Marie Antoinette movie with uh, Kirsten Dunst and, oh, and they're just little like vignettes into these these pictures, these like larger pictures. And that's not why I go and see a movie. I don't like go and see a movie to see like the outfits that princess diana wore that one christmas weekend like i'm sorry spencer was if you're gonna okay if you're gonna nominate Kristen stewart for spencer and not lady gaga because again you can objectively say that house of gucci was like kind of boring and it didn't really have a good plot but lady gaga was the plot to me like lady gaga every scene where she because she is a theater kid and she is an actor her acting was really good even though her acts you know whatever you want to say about her accent whatever you want to say about lady gaga inventing all these little stories for herself to be be this become this character uh, she did a really good job and I don't understand why you would nominate Kristen Stewart and not Lady Gaga. I'm sorry. It just, it's, so, it doesn't make sense to me. Super true what you're saying, but it worked to the production's detriments how Gaga focused it was because any minute she wasn't on screen, I had lost interest. And I was Absolutely. like, oh, I'm not, I'm going to turn away. Like, I'm going to check my phone, you know, because it was so driven by her and every scene she was in that when she wasn't there for me, it was like lacking something. And it like, it was supposed to be more about her involvement in this franchise, this legacy, you know? And so unfortunately it became so aggressively about that and the way it was acted, the way it was filmed, just like the moments that she was in, they put so much attention on that whenever they were in a room discussing like the stocks of the company, I was like, I'm bored, like turn this off. (laughs) But even though this was probably like super important to whatever narrative they're trying to spin about Gucci, to me, it was like not as watchable overall. Um, but we do need to talk about Spencer leading into it because it's one of those things where like Gucci and, and Spencer were like trying to be biopics, but obviously we're not, you know, Gucci was about something else, not necessarily the history of it, or they would have paid more attention to the details, right? It was more about character development. Spencer is literally a psychological thriller about a weekend gone awry. Like that's what like, it is. Not even. It's more like a psychological thriller about what it's like to have an eating disorder and be a princess. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't think that they advertised it that way. It came off very like this is the untold story of Diana Spencer. 
And like, not really, it's a melodramatic portrayal of a, right, a princess with an eating disorder. And so right. that could be any, any kind of regal moment. And so to make it about, you know, Diana, and especially lately, we have so much content about the crown and the queen and like the British monarchy. It's like, we're kind of tired of hearing about it, you know? So it's like, if you wanted to go this way and make it more of a, you know, a Hitchcockian thriller, then don't also say it's about the British monarchy. You know, it's like, it could, this could have been about any fucking regal moment in time, right. but we're using this dated narrative of, you know, Princess Diana and Queen Elizabeth and all of that. So I thought that was kind of like, let's go for a low hanging fruit because right now people are into the monarchy a lot. So let's double down and make it about Princess Diana when he really just wanted Kristen Stewart distress running down a hall. Like, that's yeah. all I wanted. And so I will say this, though. I'm rooting for Kristen Stewart <laughs> only because if we're looking at the history of the Oscars, like, she will be one of the first, if not the first, actually, out queer person who wins Best Actress. So that would be epic. Second of all, this role was absolutely made for her in a way that like, I don't know if she's a great actress, but I know that she can brood and be distressed. And because it was so that the entire movie, her just being fucking broody as fuck, I'm like, this is her niche. Like give her the award for the one thing she does well. Like, Okay, Bella Swan, we get it. You're British now, but you're just Bella Swan at the end of the day. <laughs> The Mary Sue ass character. Do you do you know the trope? The Mary Sue character. It's it's not like a real literary term. It's more of like a fan fiction type of literary term. Um, but it's the idea of a of a Bella Swan character. They are so basic that you can project your personality onto this character. Okay. Um, it it's so that you could like yeah. It's like Twilight. It's it's so that yeah. you can be like, Edward is mine. And the focus on the eating disorder um, was triggering. Yeah, it was it was pretty, pretty gnarly, pretty graphic. Yeah. And I didn't. So first of all, let's does Princess Diana like she's was she known for having an eating disorder? She was. She was. That is something that has come up a lot in her narrative. You know, what she's not known for any sort of lesbianic like material and so right. what was that scene at the end where like and I want to get into this a little bit later about like the new diversity standards for best picture where like you have to consider um you know some diversity to be taken seriously but at what point are you just checking boxes to get the vote versus it being like any notion of accurate towards the story you're trying to tell. First of all, it didn't even relate to like the overall plot of the movie. This one- It didn't forward anything exactly. and it didn't do anything. Right, if anything, it took us out of where it was going. It was like, mm, what? 
it was very jarring, you know, by the way, I'm in love with you. And she's like, no way, let's run around together in circles. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and and their relationship was if I, if it wasn't based on true people, that is where I would have thought that relationship was going because it did seem very queer. So I just thought it was queer because maybe the actor, like you know, it's just it was this charged, unwritten part of the of the film, and then it became a written part of the film. And you're right, right they they just like frolicked around in the on the moors i almost feel like kristen stewart was like all right fine i'll do it but there has to be lesbian frolicking <laughs> so they just wrote it in at the end it, it's fair i mean like what good is a movie without lesbian frolicking like and lesbian frolicking makes the world go round let me tell you it's really fun <laughs> <laughs> they already were deviating aggressively towards you know it being actually about princess diana it's just about kind of distress and if it's just that i actually kind of like it i like the way it's very metaphorical very visually kind of acid trippy um, i remember the scene where they're around the dinner table and they're just having like elongated gazes at each other, but they're so full of tension and the violins are just sharp as fuck. And I'm like, okay, this is art and I'm here for this. But this could be any sort of monarchical portrayal. And I don't like that they're hanging on to this British monarchy trope, this, you know, the Princess Diana trauma. They're just like milking it. I was like, I don't think this Absolutely. is cute because already Princess Diana has like so much tragedy behind it in terms of how she died, but also her eating disorder, also the way like her husband didn't really love her, you know, but also she was loved by the people. So she was kind of a political device. Like there's so much of that. And then they're going to be like, oh yeah, well, she's just, she's an outsider. She's different inside the castle, you know? And I'm like, they're playing to Kristen Stewart. They're not playing to Princess Diana. Just call it like Princess Stewart, the movie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because the queen of lesbians. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's the one thing she does really well. She's like, ugh, I just like, so I'm crawling in my own skin because I'm too lesbian for the function. Like, that's all it's ever been. Right. And when they she to was, relax. You're absolutely right in that I didn't think that I was watching a movie about Princess Diana and I wouldn't right. care to watch a movie about Princess Diana. I'm not into like monarchies because especially not the British ones, they are like literally colonizers. Like, I don't <laughs> care about them. Right. I don't care that she was a sad princess like and I, I, I like I know that makes me sound like void of empathy but I also like didn't have any I was young when she died like I don't I, I don't care you're you're, you're yeah. a bunch of colonizers like I, I think about Meghan Markle now being like oh they're gonna be racist against me and it's like I, I yeah you should have done your research you shouldn't go into yeah <laughs> without understanding that they have literally like ruined the world and the way that our world functions today is like because of the british monarch and because of the the british empire yeah and you're just like i'm gonna marry into it like whatever i no, there's some like 
there's some ostentation behind naming it Spencer as if we're supposed to automatically care about the British monarchy and just be so overly attached to it. And I'm like, okay, like if that's the case then give me a compelling storyline about why I should, but they just were using, they were name dropping, you know, <laughs> the Ed Spencer to tell a different story. So I'm like, this is a ploy first of all. And it's an egregious ploy because you're assuming that I should give a fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, exactly. And the only thing that I did really appreciate, and I think I texted you about this, was the score because it was oh, that kind of jazzy, suspension type. It reminded me of um, The Shining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it like really felt like The sh and The Shining is my favorite movie. Um, <laughs> so I really definitely felt like but, but then again, like I wasn't, I felt like I should be as suspended as if I'm watching The Shining. But again, I'm watching like the princess that has the eating disorder, like poor little princess, Yeah. What, whatever. Like, and again, I, I hope people don't think I'm completely void of empathy that I don't care about the princess that has passed away years ago. Like I just, you yeah, I just don't care. Like, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, I want to move away from Spencer, but I still have more to say. So <laughs> I feel like, first of all, what you're saying is true. Like the moments that I remember were so carried by the score that I was enthralled by the scenes because it was so masterfully crafted with like the music in mind, right. you know? And so they better be up for like best score or some shit because that was half the movie, honestly. Um, the other half being Kristen's brooding. Right. But <laughs> um they also threw like that plot line in about like the butler is like sabotaging her and I yeah. was like this is kind of gay like <laughs> they were like you're the yeah. new queen bitch we're gonna try to bring you down but like in a subtle way and leave you threatening books on your bed as we're making it <laughs> like, I was like not the butlers being petty yeah. as fuck and even all the chefs are like we're also gonna fuck with her we don't like her either <laughs> like what it was a little gay, just a little. Day night. <laughs> and we have to talk about, you know, this history of the Oscars and queerness in general. I mean, we know that we love the, the vanity of it all, but it's funny that, you know, the gays will go crazy for the Oscars and they have historically been very like cold shoulder towards queer representation within it. You know, we can talk about how there's been 36 or something around there straight actors who have won Oscars for for portraying gay characters you know so it's like they're living for the content but not for the actors embodying that content you know and then <clears throat> I read this kind of sketchy comment about how it's more of a feat to act like something that you're not and that's why they're getting the recognition. Whereas if a gay person was playing a gay role, it would be like not so off the handle for them to be able to portray this thing. Therefore it reduces the complexity of their acting. And I was like, fuck me up sideways. Like this is so like misinformed, but what do you think about there that? There are so many, there are so many things wrong with that argument. And yeah. I, I know that argument. I've heard that argument. Um, but it, it is, it's the same with um, folks that play like 
disabled, like mentally disabled people. Yeah. And they like win awards for like- The lengths they went through to rude. be so unlike themselves. And I'm exactly. like, look at any of these regular roles, you know, like, I don't know, Nicole Kidman is playing Lucy. Lucy. You know? And so I, why, are we, why are we bending over backwards being like, wow, the length she had to go through. I'm like, they're both Hollywood housewives. So <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That argument falls flat when you look at all the other nominations and awards. So it's almost like, it's like the Bible. It's like you're picking and choosing these contextual things that just work to satisfy heterosexuality. <laughs> like, right. And let's, let's, I, I do want to talk about this Nicole Kidman thing because it's driving me yeah. nuts, but I want to, I want to continue talking about the, the gay shit. <laughs> but so what does it mean to act gay? Like, I don't, that this is what I'm, this is what I'm not understanding is yeah. like, yeah, I know that these Oscar films have sex scenes, but like, other than those specific sex scenes outside of like, what, like, are they, how are they acting gay other than like, again, so that's just assigning a characteristic to like an identity, which that's not, it's yeah. like saying all people of color do this, all gay people yep. act like this way. So I, as a straight actor, I'm gonna act gay and win an award for it. That doesn't make any sense. Right, it's assuming that there's a behavioral trope that's intrinsic to all gays. Now we all just right. do this. And I'm like, no, that's like reducing my queerness actually, it might be, it take its own shape, its own form versus what this character is demanding of it. And also like maybe the plot doesn't have to be centered around that either. It can just be a complex individual dealing with their shit and their drama and they happen to be gay. Acting typically like, like you know, when you learn how to act, me, a child, a child actor, when yeah. you learn how to act, you're not learning how to become another person. You are still the vessel and, and you are, are using the playwright's words or the screenwriter's words through you. You're acting like yourself. Yeah. You, you have your mannerisms. You're, you're self-aware of your own mannerisms and you are the vessel for that, that character's, um, feelings and emotions as written by the playwright. So, um, so again, I, I just don't understand like when an actor's like, I think my character touches their face a lot. It's like, what, what do you even, that's not a thing. That's not, we're, let's not even get into it that way. But, um, right. You have to leave some of it open towards the interpretation of like, you're saying the vessel or the vehicle to portray that story. No. So like, you write the story, you have the character, what they're trying to say, but you find an actor based on the best way they can interpret it. That's why it's a, it's a meeting of the minds, you know? It's like the actor and the director work together to tell this story, to interpret this character. And those little mannerisms, like if you wrote them so deeply into the script, you're not gonna have an authentic performance. You're not gonna have an Oscar winning performance, you know? like. The thing is you have to take some chances as portraying the character and that's what makes it next level. And that's what they're not allowing queer people to do by pigeonholing them into like, you're only, you have this default way of acting and behaving. So anything you do is just gonna be so textbook gay that it's gonna not leave us into the Oscar pool. 
but like fuck off because you don't know sort of the ins and outs of my nuances that could carry this to the next level it literally is homophobic (laughs) and there's just no way for a non-queer person to imagine what it's like to go through living life queer like you don't like there's just no way you can contextualize uh, you know, living out in a world where anything and everything is is being thrown in your face that your fundamental way of being is wrong. Right. Um, and and that 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 is why we as queer people out in the world find each other. And you always find like the queer, even if you don't know that they are queer, there is something about the yearning for understanding yeah. that comes from queerness mm-hmm. uh, that straight people just can't get when they when they play a queer person on television yeah no I like that and honestly it for me it's a missed opportunity for directors and everything to be like only a queer person can see this queer role and take it to new heights and actually unlock you know a version of this character that a straight person could not be able to do not that they're gonna rely on these whatever behaviorisms that they think make up queerness but they're gonna be able to dig deeper into like you know the certain movements feelings and subtle nuances that queer people understand about each other from that like you said from that longing to be understood so you can actually get such more fire performances if they trusted queer people to do that but it comes down to this like I think, an inherent distrust to do a good job with it. Well, they think that they know. I mean, it's the same with like white folks telling black folks how to liberate themselves. Like it's this fundamental, like, well, I know how it's supposed to be because I'm just smarter than you, a gay person. And it's, um, it's false. I just don't think that when Hollywood makes these films about queerness, they're even necessary because it misses the mark like nine times out of 10 because the people making the films don't really get it. Like they're just kind of capitalizing off of people's like lived experiences. So let's talk about Call Me By Your Name then with that trope of like, you know, everyone hails this as this amazing movie, you know, Timothy Chalamet's like breakthrough role um you know two straight guys playing iconic gay characters and it being received with such critical acclaim and like don't get me wrong I enjoyed the movie when I saw it I was like moved by it love the soundtrack I mean I love anything by Sufjan Stevens uh and it's pretty it's a pretty fucking movie you know um however I saw it again was reading about it, understood more about the author, the director, and there's some shady shit with this movie actually, but um, did you watch it? I tried to watch it. I tried to watch it before this conversation and I turned it off within 20 minutes. Totally. So how old is the little boy supposed to be? How young? Well, that's the main thing, right? I think he's like 16 or something. 
you know, right off of the bat, that made me so uncomfortable that I turned it off. I didn't want to finish watching it. I didn't even get to any romance between these two characters. Just knowing that the, this was what was going to happen, I knew yeah. that I did not want to finish this movie. I had no yeah. desire to finish it. I feel like, I don't know, the Oscars or Hollywood were so thirsty for a gay narrative that they could say we're woke now too you know after the still white dilemma which we'll get into that they were just willing to take like any gay film and make it the next best gay film it just had to be edited properly and I'm like this is really what we want to exalts as the pinnacle of good queer cinema when it's not even by queer actors you know I don't know the levels are gnarly because you look at um these gay depictions in these movies they've always been a little bit shrouded in shame and trauma and like these acts of violence that have to occur to them like Look at Hilary Swank winning for Boys Don't Cry, playing an iconic trans character. And oh my God, that the climax of that movie is fucking traumatizing. Like right. I like rewatched it like only a little bit recently. And like they really beat the fuck out of her, you know, out of him. And they have no problem showing it. And kind of like you have to ask yourself at what point is this being you know, romanticize this type of violence, especially in the 90s and things like that. And so back in New York, when I was working as a caseworker for, you know, black and brown youth, and I was leading this class, and they were they were saying this thing that I thought was so interesting. They were like, you know, we're so tired of Hollywood glamorizing slavery. Like, why every year is there a new slavery movie that is nominated for best picture, best actor, all this stuff, because they can show how much they cry or get raped. And you're telling youth, you know, black and brown youth, you're reminding them of these horrors, first of all, but you're also congratulating the depiction of it. And so they were super like pissed off. And I was like, you know, I never stopped to think it's like, these narratives that were spinning as being such heroic feats of acting, I was like, what is propelling us to continuously be, you know, like regurgitating the violence around it versus having like a spin on it that is hopeful or optimistic. It is always this kind of pessimistic rendition on what it is to be a minority in any sense. And these are the movies that Hollywood is loving and so you know I think about some of my favorite like queer films and they would never be close to being nominated by Hollywood because they're not as negative as they need to be for it to be palatable to the American masses for it to be considered relevant it has to be the the traumatized gay or the victimized black you know and that's that's fucked up bro it, it it is it is pornography it is yeah. normalizing um the destruction of black bodies that's why they keep making slave movies i mean that's classic like marxism it's it's the literature and the texts of the time um inevitably reinforce uh the view that that the ruling powers want you to see 
And yeah. so at the end of the day, what they really want us to see is that straight people are better at being queer than queer people. Um, queer people are going to end up dead or, or exposed or creepy in some way. You know, it's just so much about, um, homophobia and, and how pervasive it is and how, how at the end of the day, homos are just hated to, to the point where accepting a queer person is just that it's just acceptance. It's the, it's the bare minimum. It's the and least, it's, like it's literally the least that can be done. to me that an event that has so much queer support is if you look just a little bit under the, you know what I mean? The film, the murky film of it all. Oh, film, yeah. I love that pun. Um, it's quite homophobic, you know? And then here it is right. being like so supported, like gays having their like Chardonnay nights ready to see who wins best actress. Like, you know, loving it, like living for this shit. And then I'm like, wait, this is something that is a, has been a vehicle to suppress queerness actually in the, in the larger scale, all the while benefiting from it. So that's the shit that pisses me off. Um, so we have to talk about 2016 Oscar so white because Absolutely. you know that hashtag spread and like changed the whole thing, you know, yeah. because they had I think academy numbers around these voters who knows from where around like 1400 people, 1500, and then it increased to almost 2000. And after that, like that, that addition, we're all like from diverse backgrounds. So they were very invested in not only queer people, but like black and brown people, native people, foreign people, like they needed just more fucking people who had different perspectives right. to be considering movies and voting on movies. And so after that happened, you'll see in the next couple of years, for example, Moonlight was nominated and won and want to get into that movie that the way it fucking moved me. Um, and then you had the favorite. I don't know if you saw the favorite, but it has Olivia Coleman, Rachel Wise, love Rachel Wise, and Emma Stone. And they're just like, they're part of like the monarchy. Again, we're like so thirsty for that apparently in Hollywood, but it's a lesbian love triangle and it's so chaotic. Right. And it's yeah. like, it's actually such a fun movie. Like they don't take themselves too seriously, but they all were up for awards. Olivia Coleman, Rachel and Emma. So it was like three women. I mean, they were playing lesbian characters and they're all straight. So that was the issue, but it was, it wasn't centered around like lesbian trauma or anything. It was literally just them being like catty, vying for power. And like, they just happened to be lesbian, you know? So that was kind of a, a change in the, the narrative around the type of movies considered. We don't need to see, you know, gay people being destroyed. We need to see them being crafty and cunning and also gay. <laughs> yeah, so we love that. that's me. I'm a crafty, that's cunning, queer. Also crafting and cunning with a Q, if that wasn't clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's that. I, I knew that that's what you were saying. <laughs> and so Olivia Coleman ends up winning. And I love that she's up for Best Actress again this year. But, okay, this is a side note. Emma Stone. Is she a good actress? Like, I feel like people love her and they adore her. Like, I liked La La Land fine. But, like, 
I don't think she's like this phenomenal actress that people give her credit for. I also like Birdman and like she gives very good supporting elements to this, but I don't think that she can carry a movie on her own. Or am I just bitter about Cruella because it was so bad? <laughs> like, which one is it? I know. I don't know if we have any power actresses anymore. I don't mm. think, I think that uh, actresses and actors, I mean, film film performers are, are very one note. And, yeah. and it's not necessarily how it used to be. Actors for the film don't even have to be that good. So, so I really don't, she's not a good actor. She just, they make her look good on film. But I love me some Meryl Streep. I will say that. Of course. Like, stay with exactly. you will, but like she is my like definition of an amazing actress. I think she she could she might as well be directing the movie every time she acts, you know? It's like she's so right. in control of all of it. And but one of like I don't take any other actresses as seriously as her. Meryl Streep is is a real actress, is a true actress to the form of gets acting. It, the way that she gets uh, it. As well. And then okay, talk about iconic award show moments when yeah. <laughs> the way I was I watching this live and I was like, what is going on? There's a glitch in the matrix. But they open it up, they're like, La La Land won. And everyone's kind of disappointed because they thought it would be Moonlight. And then the whole yeah. cast of La La Land gets on stage celebrating. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. It's actually Moonlight, guys. And it felt like- And then when he shows the slip, yeah. that the fact that that's not still a meme that is used like constantly for things is like a fail on the internet's part because that moment was- it's just like it, it was millions iconic. of dollars for an event like this, and you can't get the right envelope on stage for the best award of the night. <laughs> like, what intern needs to get fired for switching the envelopes? <laughs> they literally are like, there was a glitch in the matrix, and Moonlight won. And there's this whole weird moment where it's like all the black people come up and all the white people from La La Land get off of stage. It's like, not the takeover, not Oscar so black. <laughs> it's Oscar so black. And the, the fact of the matter was that La La Land was about a white jazz musician. It, it very much oh, was appropriate right. for them to be like, goodbye. Right. Even like, even the scenes where he starts to make it big, it's like, he's just like the rustic white guy at a black jazz bar, like getting more famous than them, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause as a white person, he knows how to do black stuff better than black people. That's, that's the narrative. That's the narrative. So like love that Moonlight got the moment because I mean, the way I cried to that movie, you know, like me being like, you know, growing up, black and also just constrained by masculinity and poverty at the same time was like it's so hard to navigate your own queerness in that where it's not even about queerness as an identity as a personality which yes came later but when you start to navigate intimacy and sexuality it becomes very fucking tricky you know and so yeah. me even the notion of liking a guy is not only going to be met with so much dismay but 
it's going to be hard to even have that connection because maybe the person I'm having it with is going through the same thing. So you're so many degrees separated from each other. You just have this one sort of weak strain of intimacy towards each other, you know? And I feel like that happened in this movie where you're coming from this type of neighborhood that like clearly is very anti-feminine, like all these things. And then the minute that you have a connection with someone, it's like, you have to consider all these factors before you even take your intimacy for, for truth, you know, you just like second guess it. And so then you risk it all and say, okay, maybe this is the moment that I connect with someone on my own terms. And you have this peaceful kind of release from all of that. And the way they don't show it, you know, they're just on the beach and their hands over cross and they just talk. Like, it's not something that is hyper pornographic or even that sexual. It literally is a movie about intimacy, you know? And under, under that moonlight on the beach, he finally has his moment of connection, which I don't even think was about his sexuality. It was just about intimacy, what it is to feel close to someone in a vulnerable way, someone who you feel seen by. Like, you know what I mean? It could have been anyone. It just happened to be someone who knows deeply what he's going through. And so that's how you start to build love. And for me, it transcends this, kind of homosexual narrative. For me, it's just about how you can feel close to someone who's sharing space with you and undergoing the same trauma as you. And it's such a beautiful scene, you know, where they connect on the beach and then they give it to you right back where they have to fight each other and literally like beat each other to a pulp the next scene. And it was just so heartbroken. It's like the way you can go from deep intimacy to deep hatred because society demands it is so heartbreaking. And it's something that probably happens to so many people in this culture, you know? And the movie did such a good job of like keeping these scenes so close to each other so that you fall in love with the romance and then you fall and hate with the reality. And so it's literally pulling you by every single heartstring. And then you get to the end of the movie where he's become like way more rugged and, you know, he became this violent stereotype of a Black guy that he should have always been. And that's kind of, that's kind of a loss, you know, that's a defeat. That's a tear for queer culture. And you're kind of like, ah, that sucks. And then he meets up with the same guy and you're expecting them to have this explosive romance, you know, like, oh, it's them. Like many years later, what's going to happen? And all they do is they hug. They go into a room and they just hug each other. And then it ends and people are like, oh, that's it. And it's like, no, that's all it ever was, was like a way of feeling seen and sharing vulnerability. And so the way that it ends on just them kind of accepting their, you know, tragic reality, but still showing softness towards each other because they know they're the only people that they can trust with that. That's love. That's a love story. Ugh, and it's for me, it's so beautiful. It's so delicate. It's so soft, you know? It's such a soft, beautiful movie with the context of it being so hard and rugged. So it's giving you right. these like 
these dimensions of Black queerness, that it's something that's so rugged and at the same time so tender. It sends it's, me. It's, it's, I mean, that like Moonlight hit you, you kind of like hit all the reasons why Moonlight is such a special movie because it is a, 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 a softness that queers are not like granted when it comes to movies and literature. Um, you know, someone always has to die typically. And, right. that's not, and then the other extreme is the hypersexualization of queerness. And that because I identify as gay or queer, which is now an identifier as well as a sexuality or a gender. Everybody gets to know my intimate business automatically. Yeah. I say something like I'm bisexual. Now, all of a sudden people are thinking I'm like having sex with everyone I know. And, right. and in reality, like nobody, if I I'm meet- now like a billboard for my sexual partners. <laughs> right. And, and if I meet a straight person, I don't immediately think about what their sex life is like, but when you meet me and you find out that I'm queer, you automatically get to like, imagine me in very sexual ways. Absolutely. And so I love that Moonlight was not so explicitly sexual because yeah. queer people are frequently robbed of the simple intimacy that comes from the daily life of having an intimate connection with another person. Yep. Okay. Read this. Um, well, I'll read it. So for a film to be included in best picture category in 2024, it must meet at least two of these four new standards. The first standard deals with content and casting mandates Okay, not you saying mandates in a requirement, like so weird. Um, at least one of the film's lead actors or a significant supporting actor from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group, including Asian, Hispanic, Latinx, Black, Indigenous, Middle Eastern, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, or any other underrepresented race or ethnicity. So one of the new rules is that to be even nominated for Best Picture, you the actors have to be from this, you know, subcategory. Okay. Alternatively, 30% of actors in secondary or minor roles must be from at least two of the following upper, underrepresented groups. Women, racial or ethnic, LGBTQ+, people with cognitive or physical disabilities, or those who are deaf or hard of hearing. Um, okay. The other standard requiring two creative leadership positions to include LGBTQ women or a person in underrepresented um, racial group or a person with disability, person with a disability. So not just, you know, the movie itself, the actors, but from the creative leadership position. So I guess directors or, you know, lead of sound, costume, something like that. Um, the third standard relates to industry access, requiring paid apprenticeships, interns, and work opportunities and training for members of underrepresented groups. So now the interns need to be inclusive as well. <laughs> so I don't know, what do you think about that? What do you think about these new sort of requirements for these movies to meet? I feel like on one hand, like, it's good to have this, this kind of like reinforced you know, way of representing, but at the same time, I wouldn't put it past these industry giants to just 
you know what I mean? Hire people and praise people just for being queer without necessarily them being good. And I mean the intern as well. <laughs> I still want it to be... <laughs> that's really funny. Be that they're worthy of it. I don't want it to be like, okay, cool, you're queer, come sit at the table, but also shut up. You're just here to sign the attendance sheet, you know? Well, that is what the issue is with these kind of like identity politics is that um, there are plenty of capable like queer people of color but the ones that they're allowing in are typically the ones that aren't gonna rough any ruffle any feathers right um and so it is very like equitable on paper which i i think is is because it's not even the most uh talented like look at we we're just talking about emma stone like it's not even the most talented like yeah white actors that are getting accolades it's it's a lot of a lot of mediocrity and and so yeah we're just gonna have mediocre lgbt representation because Hollywood is very mediocre in this day and age um and there's not a lot of talent coming out of it and there's not a lot of talent on 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 um like or creating creativity on Broadway or in any medium really. Um, and that's why we do cling to people like Patti Lapone or Meryl Streep because they would not get famous today. So yeah, I think that I think that the effort for Hollywood to be more equitable is good. Um, I just don't think you're, yeah, you're not gonna get quality people because it's Hollywood, not because of the equity mandates. Because it's not a mandate problem. It's it's a societal problem that <laughs> we're still yeah, yeah. clinging to these, oh, as long as they identify as gay, that's good enough. It's like, no, it's about embodying these queer narratives and telling it authentically. Instead, they just want to sign an attendance sheet. And, yeah. and I think that even though it has good intentions and like, I'm excited to see what's gonna be nominated in 2024, I don't think it's like the best solution to this. It's, it's definitely not a solution. It's like a band-aid, you know, versus a future. <laughs> now it feels like they're going to have Hollywood telling queer stories. And I don't want them to tell our stories. As much as queerness is pushed out of the public eye, we also like to be away because yeah. we're not a part of that world. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily representative, nor will it ever be you know um so pretending that these mandates are gonna give us you know what we're fighting for is is a moot point i think (laughs) Uh, because it's true you're saying it's like we're still protective over these narratives and so you saying that oh we're gonna make it so that we're required to tell your story doesn't feel like you authentically want to do it nor that you want to do it well it just seems like you're trying to win an award. Like you want to gatekeep the way that the narrative is being told. If it's told in a if it's told in a Hollywood type of way, then at the end of the day, some editor and some producer gets the say in how the story is being told. And it really, really controls and manipulates the message. Yeah. It's gonna be a mess. But the Oscars have always been messy. If we're talking tier or queer, what do you think about the Oscars as an institution? 
Oh, I think definitely a million tears. I, um, as, as much as I think award shows are interesting, they aren't like, I don't watch them all the time. Like, I'm not like, Oh, it's awards season. Um, unless it's the Tonys. (laughs) (laughs) No, for me, it's fully a tear. Like, yeah, mostly because I don't know. I read this thing about I have to be careful about how straight people want to save you by being an ally because they're like, oh no, like I just want you to have like all the same rights as me, marriage and voting and all these things, you know? And so they will die on that cross of saving you. And the minute you say, actually, I don't need you to save me, I need you to let me exist on my own terms, that bothers a lot of allies. You're like, wait, no, I thought. I'm a good person because you're lesser than me. And so my whole existence is predicated on the fact that I am a good person for helping you get to my level. And my whole thing is like, no, I'm above your level. (laughs) And I actually don't need all these things you think I need. I just need you to respect that. And they don't like that. Like straight allies will not like that when they can't contextualize it in terms of their requirements for how you should be. So it's not actual ally liberation, honey. It's not that. It's just another way for them to exert control under the guise of them caring about you. And so for me, that's the Oscars. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it it really is. It, it, It absolutely is. The last queer movie I saw was I showed my students hairspray um, to wrap up Black History Month and like a fun way because we learned about a lot of like sad things. I was like, so let's let's watch Hairspray. And they thought it was cute, sort of. It is cute. It is cute. It it starts and ends there at cute for me. (laughs) Yeah, they just, they, they like, my kids are so... TikTok, they're like, what is this? I'm like, this is art. And it's like, not even. They're like, wait, but I can't meme this. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> it's a meme on its own. It's a two hour yeah, like that. <laughs> All right. Thank you. So that was the that was the last queer movie I saw was, was hairspray. Um, let me think. What was mine? I mean, I will say this, like one of my favorite queer movies is actually called Stranger by the Lake. Um, It's a French movie. And so it has to do with like this cruising spot by the lake, you know, but then there is, I mean, it's beautifully done. So factor that in, even though the topic seems like ridiculously gay, but there is a murder that happens by the cruising spot. And this one gay is like, weirdly turned on by it and intrigued by it but here's the thing none of them stop cruising (laughs) it's like literally everyone knows someone just died and they don't know what happened they're like gotta cruise cruiser's gonna cruise and they just they keep going to the lake (laughs) that's so funny because it like is in character um, right like not gonna stop (laughs) um the gayest thing that i've worn today is my shirt Oh. It says, I support LGBT, and it says, liquor, gun, beer, and tits. <laughs> and that is... I love that. I love that. Wow. <laughs> um, to beer and tits. And... To beer and tits. 
And until next time, Amy. Also, like, after the Oscars, I feel like we should meet for just, like, a five-minute debrief. But, like, let's please watch it. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. All right. Okay. Love you. Bye, babes. Bye. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>